Welcome to episode round number 40 of Expected Value, the podcast that goes inside the sports analytics world. I'm Paul Carr from True Media, and a couple notes before we get started. First, True Media is hiring. We have open positions for a software engineer and for a manager of content and client support. For more details and to apply for either job, go to our website, truemedianetworks.com careers. We also have a link in our show notes. And with the NFL Draft this week, I encourage you to listen to our previous episode with Sports Info Solutions' Alex Vigderman. We talk about the draft, their football rookie handbook, and much more. And our next show after this one will feature two winners of this year's NFL Big Data Bowl, so stay tuned for that coming up soon. Now, our guest this week is Robbie Robinson of the New York Mets. He's their complex manager and catching instructor, and I talked with him a few weeks ago about his baseball career path, what he does in that role with the Mets, the evolution of available data over the past decade, the shift of data from knowing yourself to knowing others, keys to communicating data and the importance of relationships, what data they look at in evaluating the catching process, catcher framing data in general and applying that to catching technique, advice for analyst types looking to interact with players and coaches, and his how did I get here moment with the Hall of Fame player. Then True Media's Joe Wagoner will join me to react and wrap things up. Without further ado, here's the expected value conversation with the New York Mets' Robbie Robinson. We're joined now on expected value by Robbie Robinson, complex manager and catching instructor with the New York Mets. Robbie, welcome to the show. We'll get into the details of what you do, but let's start just by giving everyone an overview of your baseball path, not necessarily every stop you've made because you've made a lot over the last <laughs> decade or so, but at least a sense of how you've gotten from playing college baseball to where you are now with the Mets. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. This is, a, mm-hmm. is an honor to be on here. And so, yeah, I started playing career at Valparaiso University. Um, after that, I went to Missouri State as a GA coaching catchers. While there, I was uh, with the Springfield Cardinals for a couple years as the bullpen catcher. So Missouri State and, and the Cardinals share a complex. So I was very fortunate to be on both those uh, opportunities. From there, went over to Pfeiffer in North Carolina as, a, as an assistant coach, um, and then also managed in the Northwoods League in Michigan. From there, back to Southern California at Riverside City College with Dennis Rogers, RCC to Point Loma. And then Point Loma was my first uh, uh, opportunity to get into pro baseball with the Minnesota Twins. I started off with them as the Dominican Summer League manager and went from DSL to the Gulf Coast League manager. And then most recently with AAA as the catching, a catching coach in AAA. Um, and that was my first big league spring training. Um, and then I, in January, was hired on by the Mets. So yeah, that's the journey. Nice, nice. So complex manager, catching instructor with the Mets. Uh, What does that mean? What does the job generally entail for you? Yeah, so our complex, it it is yet to be determined of of what exactly the season looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But mainly we will have, um, we have a rehab facility there and we'll have guys from any part of the the minor league system from big leagues, AAA, AA down to to rehab with us and, and get games in and and train, and then we'll have the draft picks come in um, during summer, and then our DSL guys will come over and um, we'll play games. We'll do um, some sim game stuff, live live reps, um, a lot of tracking, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, just programs to enhance the player and get them onto to the level that they need to be at next. 
And when you say tracking, you're talking about, I guess, what does that mean when you say tracking? What sorts of things are you looking at, trying to find data on, et cetera? Yeah. So as, as, a, as a group, we'll, we'll discuss just like organizational philosophies of what we deem to be important and, and what are we trying to get across on the hitting side, on the pitching side, on the catching side, um, all facets of, of the game. And we, we'll put together some, some programs and track them over time and just see how well we're doing in player development, you know, obviously like understanding the player and understanding his background and, and where he's coming from is, is important, but putting together those programs and figuring out, you know, are we successful in this program that we're putting together to, to enhance his, his ability as a player. So let's talk a little generally about data and sorts of information that you have. Let's and let's back up ten years or so to your college days. So it's not like yeah. this is the dark ages, you know, before <laughs> computers were used or anything like that. Uh, you're you're at uh, you know mostly at mid major D one school. Uh-huh. What sort of information did you have access to at that time uh, in your kind of day to day prep process? Compared to now, very limited. We we got a lot of scouting reports from the year prior if we played that team. It depended on where you're at in the season, um, you know, getting a scouting report from another team, some video maybe to review on the pitcher. Really, when, when I'm thinking about this stuff, though, it's more of like a mental checklist of like, oh, I do have a little bit of an edge. But mm-hmm. it's it's such a small sample size of the things yeah. that, that went into that. It's just it really didn't make much sense to, to have have those things because it's just it's so small. And, you know, if, if the other team's playing them we don't have the same players as them so we're not like pairing up of like well like how does it how does it look for us but very small sample size of of data and then over the next decade or so as you made these different stops at the collegiate level the minor league level what was your experience just kind of learning oh now we have this now we have that how did you kind of evolve into uh, learning more of the data and working that into your processes i like to look at 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 it as it as like the higher the level the more data collection there is Mm -hmm. Obviously, like the more the player's been in the system, the more data we'll have. So there is a there is a process of the collection of data that that we'll get and and understanding, you know, who that player is. I, I think like once once you have collected the information, it's it's also understanding, you know, when do we utilize it and when when are they ready um, to to be presented with with the data. It's key to like just when you're first introducing it to to any player or coach as well to to be as simple as possible usually like with you guys you know the heat maps go a a long ways Mm -hmm. uh the video going back to video and looking things over go uh starting out with with that aspect of it is is um, something that i've experienced It, it goes a long ways with coaches and players one of the things i like to stick to is like know thyself, know thy enemy type mm-hmm. type of thing is like at our level. So if I'm talking about um, the rookie ball level or, or know, know yourself before we're looking at the enemy, because you also have the data of, of your guys and you have the data of the opponent. Um, but it is really important when, when you're uh, utilizing player development to have um, understanding of, of the self. And it's about 90% of the data that's collected should be focused on you and 10% maybe the the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. As you start to get higher up in levels, it's it starts to gravitate more towards mm. um, you start to understand like what what your tendencies are, but you start to get more of like, you know, the, the big league level might be a 60-40 scale or 50-50, know yourself, know the enemy. 
but utilizing it, I mean, it's a day-to-day thing of, of finding out what the player can retain and, and how we're going to develop with them mm-hmm. with, with the information that um, is given. That's interesting. So yeah, so, so the lower levels, generally, you tend to focus on your guys, what you can do to improve or what, what you need to do or not to do. And you worry a little bit less about the other guys and the higher mm-hmm. up, that's, then it shifts. That, that makes a lot of sense. How have you seen the reception of that players and coaches have to data change over the last 10 years? I mean, we hear stories of, you know, guys coming in from high school and they had certain types of data and they expect in the minor leagues. And, and you also hear stories of some who never want to see a piece of paper with numbers on it or something like that. So I guess, how have you seen it change over the past 10 years, as far as what players coaches kind of expect and, and what their attitude is as far as receiving information? I think like as instructors or managers or coaches, like first and foremost, like we understand the game is always evolving. There's always going to be something new and it is our job to um, understand and, and not necessarily like always know the answers, but to understand the program that's given or whatever we deem important as an organization um, to not only educate ourselves, but educate our players. And um, if we don't know something, that's okay. We're very much upfront with the player of like, you know, if you deem this important, like, you know, we'll invest some time into it. We'll we'll look into it and and get you an answer of, of what you're looking for. But the reception of it overall, like, I think once you start to understand it, and that's always like the scary part, even for me is like, oh, like now, now we got to uh, figure out, you know, how to, how to utilize this within our play. But at the end of the day, it's baseball. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're just connecting with, with our players and staff and um, communicating that out in a different way. Right. What other, what else is key to communicating information? You said keeping it simple, especially at the beginning is really important when you're working with, with players. What else are your, do you have in mind as you're trying to communicate uh, info to players? I think the relationship building aspect of it is really where that starts is understanding the player, understanding his tendencies, understanding how he learns. Is he a visual learner? You know, there's just so much that goes goes into that, but gaining the trust of him and getting to know each individual guy that you have. And, and sometimes it's, it's a lot of guys, but you do get a ton of opportunities throughout a season uh, with travel and, and eating with the team and, you know, going over certain things you get that time and it's key to just focus in on, you know, what are the things that they gravitate to and what are the things that they don't? And maybe we, we come back to that later on, uh, but getting to know, know them as, as an individual is, is pretty key on the communication part. Yeah. So some guys you might hand a, whatever heat map, some guys might rather see a table of data and is there yep. a, a trick to figure it out or it's just kind of trial air relationships, like you said? Exactly. Yeah, no. It, and it is um, sometimes, you know, you'll get a guy that's, that really likes the heat maps and you're like, Oh great. Like this makes so much sense to me. And you'll show it to another player and they're like, like what's going on? You'll, you'll explain it. And then they're like, great. Like let's play ball. Like I, I like, I'm not getting anything from this. So finding those avenues of, you know, looking, looking at Tremita, the filters that are on the left-hand side is mm-hmm. um, something that, that I'll go to of like, okay, how can I explain this differently? And how can we illustrate this in just a, in a little different way? And then, also utilizing our internal system that we have is is something that that we go to just to compare and contrast. Specific to catching, because as we mentioned, you're yeah. as a catching instructor, so that's an area of emphasis for you. Yeah. What sort of data do you, do players, other coaches look at as you're uh, trying to evaluate the catching process? There's a training aspect of it and there's a game aspect of it where we're looking at things. And if we're looking at the game, 
a lot of the things that, that we're looking at is dictated on on the pitcher's profile. I think that I think that is something that understanding the pitcher, understanding him as a catching staff, and and as we get ready to go into that game, you know, knowing knowing what he throws for strikes, um, knowing what his out pitch is, knowing his profile. So is he a north south east west pitcher? Is he a combo pitcher? What are the things that he's working on? You know, taking this all into in, into consideration of the whole process of, of the pitcher, you know, and pick and choose those spots of, of when we're going to work on things in game. Um, because you can work on things in, in the bullpen all you want when the game's on and you're in between those lines is when, when it counts. But understanding the plan of attack for that day and then also like taking a step back with that is like, how much information does your catcher retain? How much information does your pitcher retain? How, how much do they want? Um, sometimes it's just, it's too much and you, you need to hold it inside and, and just give them little snapshots of things, um, as we attack that day or attack that game. Um, so that's another crucial thing of like understanding game prep, you know, there's, there's a handful of other things that go into that, but like on a base level of like, that's what we're looking at for, for the pitcher and catcher is, is to be, be on a game plan of what makes sense for, for those guys during that time. Yeah. sounds like you're evaluating the catcher almost by what the pitcher is doing uh, and how he does different things. And to me, that that's one of the things that's always a challenge from an outsider standpoint when we're trying to evaluate players in any sport. Yeah. We don't always know what a pitcher, catcher, hitter, football player, whatever is supposed to be doing. You know, we can say football, I think it's especially common. You know, this guy blew his assignment. Well, actually, it was, you know, some other kind of zone coverage and this guy didn't come over and help him and stuff. So so that's interesting that uh, just trying to look at it from those different angles. And I would imagine, am I wrong, even more so at the minor league level, you have these specific goals that you're trying to do with the player. It's not like to the extent of spring training where sometimes guys are just, you know, only throwing fastballs just to work on that whole game. But it sounds like there's an element of that at the minor league level, especially as you're trying to get these players to improve. hundred percent. I think it, when we're looking at it as comparing it to, to the big leagues and then comparing it to player development and through, through the system, one of the main focuses is um, for us is like enhancing the player's skills and moving them on to the next level and getting them prepared for, for the big stage. At that level, you know, winning is is the priority. Right. Um, not not that winning is not a priority mm-hmm. for us because it does a great thing for for mentality and, and and things like that. But if you do the process right and and you're working on the things you need to work on, you're going to start winning and, and and gelling as a team. But there is a process to it. Yeah, I want to talk about catcher framing because this has been one of the yeah. more prominent new things I think over the last ten years or so. I guess first, just how do you evaluate framing? How do you use numbers into that evaluation? Um, if, if we're sticking to true media, um, I'll go over that. But we also utilize, and I think every team does, an internal yeah. program or, or something else that goes into it. But with true media, some of the things I really like to look at, um, SLAA, strikes looking above average, SL+, plus, um, strikes looking rate, versus average, I believe. Do you want to dive into that a little bit more of like what i mean it's just it's basically a you know where's the catcher getting the calls how many calls is he getting relative to league average and you know it's pretty straightforward like i said i think most teams have similar sorts of models so you see this data yeah then what do you do with it like how do you apply that to technique or whatever you know utilizing that data utilizing the heat maps utilizing all the zones that are in there Mm -hmm. all the filters off to the left and then coming back to video Obviously, depending on organizational philosophy, deeming 
what are the top three things that we're really focused on? You know, is it throwing up in the zone or, or utilizing our fastball more, or whatever that may be? Now we start to paint the picture of how well does that catcher um, utilize um, his skills to to enhance what we're trying to do as an organization or what we're trying to do for for that pitcher. Backing up on that, we need to understand the player again as as a whole, and we need to understand like what are the things that go into this is a lot of physical things that, that we're working on um, mm-hmm. for the framing or, or receiving aspect of it. But, you know, doing an eye exam when, when they first get there, um, going through a flexion mobility test, doing their physical, we do those things first. And then we start to look at the data that has been collected to understand who the player is and like maybe what his limitations are, or maybe he's hypermobile in, in this, like, this is the reason why he can't get in this position. But framing overall, like when, when we're when we're looking at that, we're utilizing those data points. It paints a picture for me of where are we excelling, where are we average, and where are we below average. And now it, it gives me a point of like, where's the emphasis need to go in our training to to enhance those below average or average zones, and how do we maintain that that excellent zone that that you're doing really well at? And what I mean by zones is you know looking at the overall picture of like where where the catcher's at for example if we're looking at like sl plus you can put on their overall zone you can section it off top bottom and then for me like i like to look at and look at the bottom half because pitch frequency is more at the bottom half so how well is he utilizing all those zones and then uh go back and then you can section it off to left-handed right-handed pitcher you know why does he do well against lefty and righty is it a visual thing Maybe his setup's different. Maybe he's opened up against a guy. Maybe he's too far off the plate. I don't know until I until I start to look at these heat maps or zones and go back and look at video because your your eyes can only tell you so much in a game. There's a lot right. going on. But when you when you go back and break it down, it's like, oh, actually, you know what? After after we've had two thousand pitches thrown in in this this zone, we're actually not too good up up on the right hand side. So mm-hmm. why is that? And it might be in a lot of times it's a setup issue. Um, they're just not set up in the in the proper spot. But, you know, for, for them to realize like, oh, yeah, like I'm not anticipating the ball to be up there. I'm just set up in a different spot. OK, well, that, you know, we need to we need to be set up in a spot for you to receive that ball properly. I mean, it sounds like and this is, I think, the ideal just from a, more of the analyst standpoint. We're not telling you this is how to do things with the numbers. We're trying to marry everything together. Like for you sure, say, you, you see, oh, this jumps from the number of the heat map, and then you, you know, I can't watch a catcher and say, oh, well, it's because his ankle and knee are out of line, you know, whatever it is in the way it's set up. But you are able to take that and put all that together and and figure out, all right, well, how do we make everybody better by using all this yep. information, both visual stats, everything like that. Yep, and it's an individual case by case basis, you know. A lot of guys are going to a knee now, a one knee setup um, versus the traditional squat position. And what we're finding is, you know, the taller guys, since there's more pitch frequency down the zone, the taller guys are actually doing better at the bottom of the zone because they're they're lowering um, their body to be lower and and be able to work up through through the ball. Things like that. You know, you also have like glove position, their timing. You'll see guys drop and it's like, okay, are you dropping in the right spot? Are you rolling? Like, is it a distraction? Um, some pitchers don't like that. So assessing all those things and, and really um, understanding it as as the whole catcher and into the framing metric, you know, c- coming back into that is just 
um, it's interesting. It's like dissecting yeah. all the little things and like, what's the tweak that we're going to make as we get higher up. Um, and that's the thing with these guys too, is they're super athletic. They're, they're successful. These aren't big changes. Usually these are like yeah. little tweaks that you adjust over time. No, like these are, these are dudes. Like, yeah, they got to where they are because exactly. they're good for probably a multitude of reasons. So. Exactly. Yeah. So like keeping that in mind as well is that, you know, everyone needs something to work on, but it's not this like major change. It's, yeah. it's the tweaks over time and, and doing that, you know, when to say something or, you know, picking and choosing your spots again on that. When you were dealing with, I'll say an analyst type, uh, who's coming at baseball for more of the numbers background than a playing background. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is getting more and more common at the minor league level where there's people involved either directly or, or from a distance. Uh, so if you're dealing with an analyst type, what mm-hmm. do you want those people to know as they begin interacting more with coaches, with players? I think everyone is just like, get, get to know the player as a whole, understand that, you know, there are numbers that go into everything every day, but like understanding the player and getting to know him off the field, what his family setups like, what, what does he have going on? And I think as an organization, the guys that I've been around, we take deep value in that, but anyone like getting new into the game or, or things like that, you know, everyone that I've dealt with is, is really taken, taken that uh, seriously. And, and I think that's how you, you get your point across when, when illustrating something to, to a player or staff member. No, that makes sense. And it kind of meshes with my experience working in TV. It's a different animal, but you're still kind of an analyst working with, uh, you know, people who have played the game and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So we, we like to wrap things up with our playing favorite segment where we kind of go through a number of your favorites and, and get your quick response. Okay. So what is, what is your favorite number and why? Um, three. I like the look of it. I think it's just a cool look, you know, but you got Killabrew and Ruth with, with those that just, uh, when I see that number, I, I just think of like, man, like that's just, that's success. But that's the big power hitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> classic power hitter sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Who was your favorite player, uh, any sport w- when you were a kid? Yeah. Any sport. I'll, I'll do the big three. I'll do football, basketball, baseball, but mm-hmm. uh, baseball, Mike Piazza, big Dodger fan growing up okay. in Southern California, heartbroken when he, when he left, um, <laughs> Kobe Bryant with, with the Lakers um, and then, and not an LA area, but, uh, Brian or lacquer with the bears. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're heading down to Port St. Lucie. Have you, I guess I should ask first, have you been there much before? Do you have a favorite <laughs> place to eat in Port St. Lucie? And I ask this selfishly because we go down there most years. Yeah. So I, I, I've never been, um, okay. I've, I've been to Vero beach and I've been to West Palm, but never ventured up. All right. Um, so if you have any recommendations, let me know. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll reconnect on that maybe in a year. Okay, but I, I can't say we've ever stopped there on our trips through. <laughs> I, I can't. You have to figure you, it out for me. I, I will. I'll let you know. I can give you Tempe, where I'm at now. Uh, yeah, and and Fort Myers, where I was at for for some years. But in Tempe, uh, word of mouth grill, um, okay. some of the best barbecue I've had ever. And, I, and I've been to some really good places in Texas and things like mm-hmm. that. But, um, and then Fort Myers, uh, fancies, it's like a okay. Southern cuisine, uh, just right. quality food. Word of mouth and Tempe and fancies and Fort Myers. I'm going to put these on the list for next year. We, yeah. hope we can get back out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you have a favorite town on the kind of minor league circuit that you've seen. I know, you know, we, we asked this at the major league level and, and you, you, know, you get kind of the typical answers that you would expect. Minors, you're obviously dealing with a, a different sort of town. You have a favorite place, you know, you see it on the calendar, you're like, oh, this will be a fun trip. 
Springfield, Missouri is just a, an amazing place with, with the Cardinals and Missouri State. But um, looking at that, I, I think Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Tulsa Drillers okay. um, was was one of my favorite. And it, it was more on the fan experience. They they just they pack it, man. It's not a very big stadium, but they they do it right. And the food there was amazing. Um, I, I deem it more on those two things than anything. And yeah. uh, Tulsa, they're doing it right. All right. Yeah. And finally, do you have a favorite, how did I get here moment? And by this, I mean, kind of, a, you know, you're able to like take a step back and be like, Hey, this is pretty cool. Like where yeah. I've gotten to and, and I'm fortunate to be here, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, fortunate enough to be in big league spring training with, with the twins. When I first got there, you know, I was throwing some BP. My role was really just to help out with the catchers, but um, throwing BP in the tunnel and the tunnels there have a, uh, a bunch of fans that stand in the background and mm-hmm. um, to my left was Nelson Cruz hitting. And then to his left was like Josh Donaldson. So got done throwing. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go watch these guys and just see what they're doing. And there's pretty big fan engagement this day. I think we're playing the, the Red Sox or somewhere. And um, all of a sudden, like I hear, I hear someone in, in, in there just saying, Rob, Rob. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> Like, okay, there's no way that somebody knows me. Like, what is going on? And so I kind of look over and I don't see anybody. So I'm like, okay. So then I realize the dude's like screaming, Rob. And Rod Carew is coming down the, <laughs> the, the tunnel and he's coming towards me. And I'm like, oh, he's yelling for Rod Carew. And so um, kind of cool moment. Rod came up and like chatted with me for about 10 minutes. And I'm sitting here like, man, this is just so embarrassing. I thought this dude was like yelling at me. <laughs> um, but he was trying to get him to come over. Um, but he chatted with me for about 10 minutes and, you know, early we finished up and went into the locker room and I just kind of sat there and was like, man, that was just like, aside from like thinking a certain thing, but like standing there with Rod Carew. Yeah. And and him just breaking it down simply on on some two all star caliber dudes was just a really cool moment overall. No, that's great, and that's a yeah. good story to end with. So, Robbie Robinson, complex manager, catching instructor uh, with the New York Mets. Thanks for joining us here on Expected Value. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Back in the True Media studio, I'm Paul Carr. Thanks again to the Mets' Robbie Robinson for joining us on the show to talk baseball data and coaching and such. You can follow him on Twitter at RobRobinson23. I'm joined now by True Media's Joe Wagoner, who oversees our baseball product that's used by Robbie and the Mets and 20 other MLB teams. Joe, welcome to the show. What did you take away from the conversation with Robbie? Thanks, Paul. No, that was, that was really interesting. Um, it was cool to hear all the different roles that, that Robbie's had in this most recent one, or I guess current one with the Mets. One of the things that really stood out to me was the know thyself uh, uh, before looking at thy enemy. Um, I, I liked how he had that kind of in like a soundbite um, that just was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to hear him talk about how that spectrum of like how much uh, you should be looking at yourself versus your enemy changes as you you move up into the higher level. And it kind of seems like maybe this applies outside of just baseball. Um, so, you know, in, in most aspects of life, until you're at the really cutting edge of performance, it's probably best to to focus on what you can control, focus on your job and not worry so much about um, what's going on around you. Yeah, it reminded me 
back way back in the day when I used to play a little bit of poker, I got a book on poker tells. And you know, you what you want to from that book, what I expected as an extreme amateur is like, ooh, if a guy does this, that means he's bluffing or whatever. But a whole chunk of the book, like maybe the first half or something, was basically just about being aware of what you are doing. You know, you're breathing at this time, or you know, are you playing with your chips or whatever it was. And in the process of doing that, you kind of then put yourself in a spot where you can pay attention to these other things. You know, one leads <laughs> to the other, which is a different sport of sorts or game or whatever. But yeah, kind of the same thing. One of my first uh, poker experiences, I, I feel like I'd seen some people on TV wearing sunglasses while I played poker. And I think mm-hmm. I was wearing sunglasses that were reflective and I was reflecting my cards to everyone else <laughs> so they could see what I had. So that, that's definitely not the thing to do. Uh, you're, you're that guy. They loved you. <laughs> Yeah, I liked what he was saying also about how all the, the parts of, and the stats and everything just paints this picture. You know, it's a known thing, but it's an ideal way of just putting everything together. You know, I can look at our site and tell you that this catcher is not good at framing, relatively speaking, or I can even narrow that down. You know, he's not good at outside pitches or outside curveballs or outside curveballs against righties or whatever. I don't have any idea what to really do with that information, how to make the catcher not do it or do what you want him to do. Yeah, so these guys like Robbie are, are that much more valuable. They can pull everything together. We see MLB teams hiring, you know, lots of people like this who can either pull all the info themselves and digest it, or at least take the data and translate it into this language of players and coaches. Yeah, it was also interesting to hear like a step before looking at the data that he talked about, mm-hmm. which was taking some physical measurements of of the players yeah. uh, upon uh, you know joining the team, whether that was an eye test. Or uh, some kind of range range of motion. I think he was talking about the the wrist yeah, or flexibility something. Like that. something. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's interesting to hear those things tied so closely to a particular aspect of the game, like framing was the context here. And I, I wonder how many other measurements are taken, like pitcher arm range of motion, uh, where it's you know cut and dry. Oh, we want you to be in this uh, ballpark of, of flexibility. Or I, I just wonder how how the players vary there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely a growing field is all the biomechanics stuff, whether, you know, StatCast is coming around to start using some of that. And I think a lot of these teams are using whatever company or, you know, video tracking just to, to find, you know, this isn't quite right or you want to be more like this guy or, uh, but yeah, it's really interesting. Like what's, what's good, what's bad? I don't know. And how useful is it in all these different aspects? It's a, it's a pretty interesting field that I think is continuing to grow. Yeah, really cool. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks again to Robbie Robinson for joining us here on the show. If you like this conversation, we have plenty of other baseball guests in our archives, including Mike Petriello of MLB.com, Jonathan Toscas of the Washington Nationals, Daniel Adler of the Twins. We appreciate everyone who subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else, along with all the kind thoughts and the help spreading the word on Twitter and other places. You can follow us on Twitter at True Media Sports. And one more reminder to check out our job listings at truemedianetworks.com slash careers, where we're looking for a software engineer and a manager of content and client support. On behalf of Joe Wagoner and everyone here at True Media, I'm Paul Carr. Thanks for listening to Expected Value, the podcast that goes inside the sports analytics world.